So today, we are, um, we're moving into the first enemy. There's three enemies of the soul. And the first one in that phrase, deceptive ideas, come from what I'm calling the oldest enemy, right? The devil, Satan, Lucifer, morning star, accuser of the breath. There's all sorts of language for, for who the devil is. Um, and I wanted to, it's like, what can I do to help communicate like who Satan is in a way that kind of lands? I, I, so I'm a big fan of the Bible Project. Uh, they make these explainer videos for the Bible, like theologically astute, like really, really deep and, and accurate, but they're animated, right? So I wanted to get away from cartoony concepts of the devil. And even though it's the, what everything they say is animated or correct, it's just, it's animated. And then I thought about, well, maybe I could show some movie clips of like all the famous people who have portrayed the devil in, in major motion pictures. De Niro, Pacino, Elizabeth Hurley, Leslie Bibb, just like the, all those, the, Gabriel Byrne is in a lot of devil movies. I'm not really sure what that means. but um, So I, I want to go back to the, um, the definition I gave you last week. The devil is a real, intelligent spiritual being whose goal is the destruction of the creation and the work of God. His primary weapon is lies. Right? He, doesn't, he doesn't have horns or a pointy tail or a pitchfork. Right? He doesn't wear a three-piece suit and have slick back hair. Um, but he is very real. He's very real. And I, I mentioned last week that there are going to be some points in this teaching series where our modern ears and minds are going to be like, hmm? And this is one of those points. And I, I want to encourage all of us to move beyond what C.S. Lewis called chronological snobbery. Chronological snobbery basically means that because we are the most recent, we know best. Whatever has come before us, we're smarter. Whoever has come before us, we're smarter, and we know better than them. So I would encourage you to, um, at the very least, just open your mind to the possibility that Satan, the devil, is a real being, and he is powerful, and he is at work, and he's using deceptive ideas to mess you up, right? I know it's a, it, it, it feels funky, it feels weird, um, but I would encourage you to at least explore this idea with us as we work our way through this text. So, where, where does the devil, where does the devil come from? Um, there's a couple different passages, but uh, we're gonna start in Ezekiel. Ezekiel is an Old Testament prophet. You guys have the printouts I usually just try to teach from one or two pieces of scripture um, for simplicity's sake, but also because it's really, I can't give context for if I teach from a bazillion passages, it's really hard to place everything in context. So I'm not a huge fan of doing that, but in order for us to get our minds around the, this concept, this being in its entirety, there's gonna be a lot of scripture that I talk about, that I reference, that goes up on the screen. It's all on that page. If it's in the, um, on our website, attached to the sermon will be the notes, and those are all linked. Like if you just click on Ezekiel 28, it will take you to Ezekiel 28. If, you don't, if you're not a paper or Bible kind of person, don't feel like looking them up. But this is the origin story of, of the devil. Uh, the word of the Lord came to me, this is Ezekiel talking, Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre 
and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. So there was a, uh, a earthly human king of Tyre, but the consensus of scholarship is that in this passage, the king of Tyre is referring to the devil. And you'll see it becomes a little more clear that it's not a, a human in a second. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorns you, carnelian, chrysolite, and emerald, topaz, onyx, and jasper, lapis, lazuli, tur turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways. Sorry, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till the wicked till wickedness was found in you. So, Satan, created being, he was a cherubim. He was one of the angels that encircled God's throne, supposed to worship God, serve God, attend to God. He was holy, blameless, beautiful, full of wisdom. This is a like a, a being that is in, in, almost incomprehensible to us. Um, if you want to get a little bit better idea of what that might have looked like, in the first, uh, in Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah is drawn into God's throne room, there's a description of, of some of the angels that were, that were there. So he was like a, a, a beautiful, holy, blameless being. And then something happened. Right? We don't, and he was created. So before humanity was created, there was the, the, spiritual, the spiritual realm. And then um, he had uh, an idea. This is from Isaiah chapter 14. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you were brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Satan's fall was basically the result of pride. He, instead of serving at God's throne, he wanted to sit on God's throne. He thought he could do God's job better than God. Because he was all of that we described, I, it got the better of him. So here's another, another point of acknowledgement, and this is something that I wrestle with and I think people will wrestle with until we get to heaven and see things squared away. Satan was a created being. God created everything. He created Satan as a perfect, blameless, holy, beautiful angel. It was the sin inside Satan that caused him to fall. Does that mean God created sin? No. That means God created a universe where sin is possible. Right? So we have God's sovereignty and God's creation, and we have choice. I don't think God could truly be a God of love without choice. If we were automatons, robots, right? God created us. He did not create choice. He just, you, you are you, John, and you will love me. Right? That's, that's not much of a relationship. So I think without that, 
And it's, this, it's a mystery, right, that, that these two things work together. God's sovereignty does not, God's control does not relieve us of our responsibility to live with him and like him and, and for him. Does that make sense? It's fine if you say no because it's a huge thing and I, I'm still not sure I, I get it. All right. Um, so what are the devil's actual capabilities? He is powerful, right? He's real and he's powerful. And the scripture that's up there are some examples of kind of the things that he's capable of. He is the one responsible for Job and the trials that Job went through. In one of the Gospels, Jesus heals a woman, and Jesus says that Satan basically tormented this woman for years and years and years. And in, in the, the book of Jude, we hear about how the archangel Michael needed the Lord's help in battling with the devil, right? So in the earthly realms and in spiritual realms, he has power. That being said, his power is limited. Ultimately, when Jesus lived perfectly, died innocently, rose triumphantly, Jesus put an end to the powers of sin and death, right? Satan wants to destroy us. He wants to remove us from the presence of God. When we sin, that removes us from the presence of God. If we die in sin, we're removed eternally from the, from the presence of, of God. Jesus defeated those things. So in him, we have that victory. That's the war. When I, you will hear me say over and over and over again, Jesus already won the war. That's the war. First um, John 4, 4, I think that's the one that says Jesus is talking and he's saying, greater am I than the one who is in the world. Right? The one who is in the world is Satan. And he's got some power, but Jesus is still greater, even as we walk around as people on this in our earthly existence. And um, this was something that I was kind of wrestling with personally. So how, if, if Satan is going to lie to us, how does he do that? Like, is he in my head? Does he know what I think? And the answer to that question is no. Right? And that, that reference up there is 1 Kings. It says, God is the only one who knows each man's heart. Satan does not do that. He does not. He is omni-nothing. Right? God is omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, and did I get them all? There's three of the big ones. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present. Satan is not any of those things. We, we tend to get caught up in the idea that God and Satan are equal and opposite. They are not. God is up here. Satan is down here. God is still all-powerful. Satan does not have that. So he's powerful. He has these abilities um, but they are limited. They are limited by Jesus, and, and as they affect us, they're limited because of what Jesus has done for us when we, when we partner with Jesus. So um, another C.S. Lewis quote for you. I just want us to kind of give some perspective because this could be a scary idea, right, that there's a, a powerful being out there who's intentionally trying to, to mess with us. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or magician with the same delight. Right? So we need to not overthink this, but we need to acknowledge that this, there's a real spiritual battle that's happening. 
that we can't, we're not always aware of, that we can't always see. So, um, Satan's goal is to separate us from God, to destroy the work that he is doing, whether in creation, whether in us, the new creation that comes about in his people as they come to relationship with Jesus. That work um, it takes different forms. Right? In the, the book, Live No Lies, the author suggests that the primary weapon is lies. And that comes a little bit later in the passage that Leanne did the breath prayer from in John chapter 8. Uh, Jesus is kind of being accused by some religious leaders. And this is Jesus' response. If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. If you belong to your, you, sorry, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He is a liar and the father of lies. So it's, I want to take a, a step back, right? We have these lies, but I want to suggest to you there are a couple things that kind of prepare the ground for these lies. Um, in Scripture, we read in a couple of different places where the devil schemes, right? That means that he's intentionally, strategically plotting, thinking, right? And the definition I gave you said he was intelligent. A definition of a scheme, a secret or underhanded plan, a plot or plan to achieve some action, a carefully arranged and systematic program of action for attaining some object or end, a particular ordered system or arrangement. I think I'm suggesting to you that Satan uses noise and isolation to kind of beat us up a little bit and prepare us for the lies that he throws at us noise, and I, 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 he uses many other tactics, but I think for us, for Crossroads, for this part of the world, for Stratford, Trumbull, Bridgeport, Shelton, Monroe, Fairfield, I think we are especially susceptible to these things. Noise, it, noise is not just audible noise, right? That's the first one I would suggest to you, right? The TV always on in the background, the car, music in the car, whatever, whatever you're streaming, headphones in, at the gym, there's always some sort of audible noise, visual noise. Again, the TV, billboards going down the road, constantly streaming. I found myself, I'm confessing to a group of people here, I have found myself recently, like, even on Hulu, a Hulu plan that we have has commercials. I'll pick up my phone and I'll start scrolling during the commercials. Right? My, I, like, that's not good. That's visual noise. Um, and mental noise. There's lots of, you know, whether it's our own thoughts, whether it's anxiety, whether it's a conversation we just had that we keep replaying over and over again, whether it's somebody that we're trying to make happy that just won't be made happy. Would it, there's lots of noise. There's lots of noise. And if Satan can turn the volume on that noise up loud enough, we can't hear the voice of God. We can't hear the voice of God. The other aspect is isolation. And there's a verse, uh, verse 
Peter 5, 8, 3, 8. Satan prowls around like a lion waiting to devour you. There was a sermon that was given at Crossroads way back when. And the gentleman, who it wasn't Rich, for those of you who know Rich Joy. Um, the gentleman who gave the sermon was talking on that passage. And he ran a video clip from like Nat Geo or, or something like that. And it was lions hunting. And it was a pack of wildebeests or water buffalo. And the lion went after the one that was by itself, right? Whether it was young or old or sick or for whatever reason, it got separated from the herd. And they were easy pickings for the lion. I think the Bible is really intentional in the words that you use. Satan prowls around like a lion waiting to devour you. Part of his scheme is to isolate us, to isolate us from God and to isolate us from each other. If we allow things to come between us and God, if we don't confess regularly, if we don't keep short accounts with God, we can withdraw from him. If we get mad at him and don't talk to him about it, we can withdraw from him. Right? If something great happens and we don't acknowledge his part in it, it can create a separation. Then there's separating ourselves from each other. Oh, I just, I, I just need a, I just need a break. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go to that thing. I'm not gonna go to my group. I'm not gonna go to church. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go hang out with that person. The, the power and the strength that comes from the family of God, you guys, you cannot, you cannot overestimate. It is so important that we be connected. But the, to, Jesus said, the most important command is to love God and to love others. And it's not just to give it, it's to receive it. So if we isolate ourselves far enough, then we have nobody to counteract the lies that we hear. We need people around us to remind us of the truth. So if we are in a place where we are isolated and we surround ourselves with noise, I was trying to come up with a better example, but all I could think of was like a piece of like tough steak, right? And you beat it, you beat it with a tenderizer, right? And then you throw it in a marinade, right? So that in this goofy analogy, the isolation and the noise is the tenderizer. And the marinator is the lies, right? Whatever marinade you're going to use. Sorry if I just ruined steak and marinade for everybody. <laughs> but <coughs> it takes a lot more to ruin that for me too. Okay? Um, but we get beaten down, beaten down, beaten down, and then we'll fall for lots of stuff. So I gave you, I gave you the prayer last week. And Jesus has blessed us with lots of practices and tools and weapons. I wanted to draw your attention to one this week. And we're going to do a whole week at the end on how we combat the devil. Give you guys a little bit of a preview. That's the end of the, the devil section. Prior to that, we're going to do two weeks on lies. On the lies, the big lies that Satan tries to hit us all with. And then we're going to do a week on the personal lies the ones that come after us and like right, you know, right at our hearts. 
the things that are important to us or our weaknesses or whatever, whatever those might be. For now, I wanted to encourage you guys to engage in a spiritual practice of silence. And silence, um, almost all the time, requires solitude. Solitude and isolation are two very different things. Right? Isolation um, is we, we're hiding in a way, right? And solitude, we get alone so we can connect. It's the exact opposite purpose. So when we're alone and we sit and we be quiet and we give God a chance to speak. And uh, I'll be really honest with you guys. Up until, I don't know, 10 years ago, I hated silence. I couldn't stand it. I did not want to be alone with my thoughts. I did not want to be alone with my regrets. I did not want to be alone with my sadness. I didn't want to be alone with my anger. I didn't want to be alone with any of it. And it was only as Rich and Heidi began to teach about the importance of solitude and silence and Sabbath and rest. And I, I'm like, okay, I, this is, you know, my pastor's telling me this is good for me. It's in scripture. It's a practice in scripture. There's an Old Testament passage that talks about the prophet Elijah and all these crazy things happen, fire, earthquake, rumbling, and God wasn't in any of it. But then there was a gentle whisper, and God was in the gentle whisper. And so I began to engage in silence. And now I can, I can be with God. And yes, some, sometimes like I have um, intrusive thoughts that will disrupt that. A friend of mine posted something on social media this week. I might make it available later. But a prayer that we can pray when we're faced with those intrusive thoughts. But I want to encourage you, however you start, right? 30 seconds, 60 seconds, two minutes, five minutes. And this, we're not trying to empty our minds, right? We're trying to, to create space to see God, to hear from God, to be with God and his truth so we can battle the lies, right? And we can be reminded of the things that God wants us to hear and that God has a people for us, to be with us and for us. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your power. We thank you for your honor. We thank you that you are truth. Help us to turn to you uh, when we are confronted with the lies of the enemy. Jesus, I pray uh, your hand of protection over this entire community right now, God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would remove the noise in our lives. I pray, that Holy Spirit, that you would encourage us to reach out to those around us. If we're feeling down or afraid or angry, reach out to a friend. Jesus, we know that there is an enemy but more importantly, we know that you defeated that enemy and that in you and through you, we have the power to not just fight the everyday battles, but to win the everyday battles. So Jesus, we thank you for that too. As we, um, Jesus, as we lift up a few more songs to you, God, would you stir our hearts would you draw us close to you?
God, this is, this is a very intentional noise. God, we offer you our songs. And we just ask that they would um, be a blessing to you and that they would strengthen us. We thank you, Jesus, and we love you. Amen.